Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. How good is it to be able to worship together uh, when we're not even in a physical location together, but we are worshiping digitally? How powerful is that to know that uh, whether you're worshiping from your lounge room, uh, you're still joining with thousands of other people who are lifting up the name of Jesus today. So a big welcome. So cool that we can spend Sunday together. And um, I really, I just want to take a moment and honor Pastor Kathy for last week's message. It was just phenomenal. Come and put your hands together wherever you are. She can hear you. The force is real. Um, we want to honor you. That was an outstanding message, you know, focusing in on the Sabbath and was so challenging, but equally another challenging thought of silence and created this space that was so different um, to so many other messages to just be in silence with God and um, to silence the noise. And so we attempted to do that last week during the service and um, it didn't go too well for us. Uh, my two and a half year old decided that was the moment where he wanted to draw on my wife's face. So we decided to have our silence at another time. And God really began to download to me this, this message, this thought uh, for my life. And so I'm hoping that today it's going gonna, it's gonna to impact your life too. So we're going to spend our time in Daniel 3, Daniel 3. So if you have your Bibles, head on over there or uh, we'll have it on the screen as well. So Daniel 3, let me give you some context quickly before we jump in. Uh, we see in, in Daniel 3, we see a king, King Nebuchadnezzar. Now, King Nebuchadnezzar was a, uh, he was a cruel king. Uh, but he was a king who got stuff done. He, he conquered land. Uh, he had a lot of subjects and he was also arrogant. And so he decided to build a statue, a god, and said that everybody in the land, they had to, when music was played by his band, uh, by U2, he had U2, uh, when they were playing music, then everybody would have to bow down and worship this statue that he'd built. But there was three Hebrew mates, three Hebrew guys called Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And now these guys were friends, but equally more than that, they decided that they didn't want to compromise. And so they decided that when everybody else would bow, they would stand. Uh, now there's a group of uh, Chaldeans, they're like um, astrologers in our, in our modern day. And they saw and they witnessed the moment where consistently these three guys were not bowing down, they weren't listening. And so they go to the king and the king has a rule. If, if, if someone decides they don't wanna bow down, then they're put to death. And so we pick up in the dialogue in the king's courts with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego as they are faced with King Nebuchadnezzar. And it says this in uh, Daniel 3, verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. How good is that? But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. Like this is incredible. Like this is a cinematic moment as they're in the courts in front of a king, a cruel king. And they say, we will not bow down. This was a perfect opportunity to compromise. This was a perfect opportunity for them to say, okay, I'll just give in to what you're saying. I'll give in to the culture. But they said, no, I'm standing for my God. I won't bow down to yours. 
And, and I, I always imagine it like, because I think sometimes we can read the Bible and we can make it real 2D, but the Bible is 3D. You've got to see it. Put yourself in there. It's like, imagine I see the William Wallace, like in Braveheart, like in the scene where William Wallace with the Scots and the, the, the Scots are outnumbered by the English because the, the English are the superpower. And so they're outnumbered and William Wallace makes the famous speech. He says, they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom. You know, you were saying that in your lounge room, wherever you are too. And cinematic moment that equally makes me think about uh, Martin Luther King and that great, you know, he received a death threat to his house. And that night he penned a speech, I have a dream, and shares the speech the next day, this speech that changes the world, just so significant under huge amounts of pressure, but letting out some significant words and significant statements that have changed the world. And it's because of this truth. When the heat's turned up, the truth comes out. When the heat's turned up, the truth comes out. And these three Hebrew men, they are faced with a furnace, but equally faced with a question that all of us, each and every one of us, are faced with daily. This is the question. Who will I worship? And where will I bow? Who will I worship and where do I bow? There's a daily fight for our worship. I don't know if you realize that. And just to clarify, this daily fight for worship isn't for your vocals. I'm just going to be really honest because for, for some of us, there's not many people that are craving our vocals, right? Uh, it, it, this worship that I'm talking about and the scripture talks about, it's defined as devotion, so it's not after our vocals, it's, it's, it's worship that's after our devotion because we all have no choice but to worship. It's in our design, it's, it's in our makeup as humanity, as humans, and we all worship something or someone. It's, it's our response to something that we value. And most typically, uh, worship can be discovered if you're like, well, I'm trying to work out now as you're speaking, Daryl, what am I worshiping? Well, there's two questions that can help. If you want to know where your worship is and who you're worshiping, number one is you've got to ask the question, what matters most to me? And number two, what's my top priority? And typically, you can then follow the trail of your time, your money, your focus, the answers to those two questions, and you'll find a throne. And on that throne is who or what you worship. Challenging thought that there is so many things competing for our worship. I wonder today what... What's competing for your worship? Is it people? Is it, is it finance? Is it an addiction? Maybe it could even be something that in itself is a great thing. Maybe it's even family. Oh, maybe it's kids. Maybe it's even the church, the establishment that you've seen. And, or possibly right now you're still in your mind, you are saying this message isn't for me. This isn't for me, Daryl. I worship God alone and God alone in Christ alone. I worship him. Well, have you ever been consumed by worry? You ever just been consumed by worry? Well, worry in itself is a form of worship to your problems. So we all worship something. It's anything we elevate to the most important thing in our lives above, above God is, is worship. Now, this is, this is why this is really important and, and this is key. Um, and really for me in, in my life, and um, uh, you may have heard, um, uh, possibly Demi and I, we've, we've hit this, Tough time, tough time in, in our journey here in, in Australia. And actually on September the 15th, it, it comes to end. We're actually transitioning our church uh, in, in Sydney. Uh, we'll be transitioning our church because our long-term visa options have, have come to an end. 
And so it's been a tough time for us. It's been a crazy time, significant. And this question of who do we worship and what do we worship has been coming to mind. But this is just why it's so important for all of us, right? Because worship matters because it shapes us. Worship shapes our decisions, our thoughts, and our attention. Uh, Psalm 115, three to four puts it really well, right? The psalmist says, our God is in heaven. He does whatever pleases him, but their idols, this is just talking about humanity. Their idols are silver and gold made by human hands. But here is the clincher. Here's the gold. You ready? In verse eight, it says, those who make them will be like them. And so will all who trust in them. Huh. In other words, we become what we worship. So if you don't like who you're becoming and what you're becoming, then you and I, we need to track down who or what is sitting on the throne of our heart because whatever you worship, you imitate and whatever you imitate, you become. That's why the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 11, 1 said, and you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. There's a link to the becoming. Worship is so important, so crucial. This message today of where is our worship and, and where do we bow? So, so I want to talk about how do we stay standing like these three Hebrew musketeers in a world that wants us to compromise, in a world that is craving and calling out for, for our worship. Because I, I find it really, um, really interesting that the Chaldeans, the, the astrologists that I told you about, let's, let's put it 2020, the snitches, right? The, the snitches who told the king about these three men and refusing to worship, um, they actually told the king before the spotlight was on them. So before the spotlight was on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they had made a decision. They'd already made a decision. They refused to bow in the crowd when no one else had the finger pointed at them. Before the heat was on them, they'd made a decision that they, they weren't going to bow. You know, my, my son Eli, um, uh, he, he got a gift uh, early on. I think he was around one. And uh, he got a gift from his grandma, my mom. And see, it was a great gift. It was a teddy bear. and But... It, it was frustrating because the gift, the teddy bear itself was amazing, but what was inside of the teddy bear was the parent's nightmare. Now she had gone to uh, the Build-A-Bear factory and she had installed her voice in the bear. Now for parents, you know the nightmare of what that is for there to be a voice in a bit. Anything that is voice activate, there's noise, there's sound. Like I just, I just want toys. Why can't I just be soft? Just be plush toys. Just don't make any noise, right? But you would press this and my, my mom's voice would come out and would say, Eli, I love you. Now, it was real cute at the beginning. Eli, I love you. Until, you know, as the batteries start to go, in the middle of the night, you would hear, I'm like, my mum's here. Like, how did mum get into the house? Eli, I love you. And he would just keep pressing it and over and over and over. And I'm just going to be really transparent. I had a psychotic moment and I grabbed this teddy bear when no one else was looking. This is me being vulnerable because we're fam. I, uh, I put the teddy bear in the sink. I ran the tap on it. Cause I was trying to like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I'm trying to torture the teddy bear, right? And uh, I just, I just started attacking this thing. Now you're, I know you're looking at me, you're thinking, do I turn this off? Don't turn it off because you do the same thing, right? You would do the exact same thing. But I came to this realization that this teddy bear, I could not change what the teddy bear said because it was already been designed in the factory. 
the manufacturer had already set what the default setting was. There was a predetermined setting. There was a predetermined response. And if we want to stay standing, then we need to learn how to decide before the dilemma. We need to decide before the dilemma of where are we going to worship, who are we going to worship, we're going to worship our problems, we're going to worship our issues. We need to decide before the dilemma, no, I only worship God, I only worship Jesus. We need to have a predetermined response before we hit the heat because every day, here's the truth, there will be a Chaldean, a snitch, <laughs> that will drag you before the king of compromise and will ask this question, will you bow? Will you bow? And we need to have this predetermined response. I decide before the dilemma, I will only serve God. I will only wait for him. I'll only wait for him. You know, one of the biggest worship battles I know we all face, and let's be really honest, it's the unholy trinity of sex, money, and power. Like they are, that, that's something that we all face. That's something that is craving our worship. And uh, truth is, we scroll about it, we double tap it, you know, like it's, it's something that we all face every single day, but it's not new. Like this, this isn't just like a, a 2020 thing. Um, during the pandemic, everyone's in lockdown. This is the issues, the temptations that we have. Uh, no, this is, this is old. This has gone on for thousands of years and we see it throughout the Bible in the form of three gods that people worshipped. The first god was uh, the money. It was the spirit of mammon. So it was a God that people would worship and the motto, that the, the, the echo that would come from the worshippers of the spirit of mammon was that it's never enough. Maybe that's something that you can relate to. Uh, the, the, the second God, and it was the God of sex, it was Asherah. Now Asherah was the goddess of pleasure and the motto of its worshippers, the echo was, if it feels good, then do it. I think that resonates too. And the last one was power, and that was the god of power was Baal. Baal was the god of power, about self-empowerment. And their motto, the worshippers, was that you don't need anyone, anything else. You don't need God. You have enough in you to control it. And truth is, the devil used these temptations, not just today in our current day, but we saw it right in the beginning with Genesis 3.6. Let me, let me show you something. Let me show you something really cool. In Genesis 3.6, where we see where Eve is deceived to eat fruit that God says not to eat. You've got the whole garden. Don't eat this one fruit. And Eve is deceived by the devil and eats this fruit. And in Genesis 3.6, it says, When the woman, Eve, saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, so that is mammon's uh, greed, because the truth is they had everything in the garden. Like they had everything they needed. So there was mammon's greed. That was the first temptation from the devil in his statement. The, the second one, he says that, it says that, and it was pleasing to the eye. That's, that's Asherah's appeal to pleasure. And then the third one was an also desirable for gaining wisdom. That's Baal's emphasis on self-empowerment. And it says that she took it. And she ate it. But why am I sharing that? Well, because hopefully that helps you to realize that you're not alone. You're not alone in the temptation. You're not alone in the fight where these three things are craving our worship. Uh, this has been happening since the beginning. But his truth gives us confidence that we can stay standing. We don't have to bow. The same way that these three Hebrew men, that they stood in a world that was trying to force them to compromise, we can do the same because this was Babylon's mantra. They were all about the unholy trinity, but they stood 
and so can you. So today, um, with the rest of the time that I have, if you are still watching, if you're still awake, and you're still taking notes, three things today that hopefully will help you as it's helped myself, how we can stay standing um, in everything that we face that is trying to cause us to bow. So the first one is number one, these are three things that matter. The first one is it matters who you're with. It matters who you're with. I find it so cool that in Daniel 3.16, it says Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied. Uh, it doesn't say that they all individually replied. No, it says as a group, they collectively replied. You can read through it. Read through Daniel 3. You'll never see a moment where it's individual. They speak. No, the Bible groups them together. It was like they had one unified voice. Uh, they had one unified sound. They had a confidence that they stood together. And I wonder in your world and in my world, if you have people who will give you that encouragement to keep your worship focused on God. I wonder if there are people that are saying the same thing as you, or do you have people who are trying to nudge you to compromise? There's people that are stirring you to just bow down in certain areas. But I wonder if you had, just like these three had, people who in unison you're saying the same thing. They are pushing you towards God. They are encouraging you. And maybe you can't think of anyone. This takes intentionality. So I wonder if, if, if in this time you could find some people that you could say, you are my three, you are my five, you are my 10, however it is, but we are in unison. We have the same belief. We are stirring each other to be focused in on Jesus. Your community matters. So if, 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 we, if we don't want to compromise, then it matters who you are with, who you're with. The second thing that matters is so important is it matters how you stand. It's so important how you stand and how I stand. You know, the Bible doesn't actually tell us that um, they tried to escape the culture. It doesn't say that they tried to run. It doesn't say that when they were brought under the heat that they just tried to escape. No, they made a bold stand in front of the king. And to finish verse 16, it says that they replied, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar! We do not need to defend ourselves before you. See, we aren't called to fight culture with debate, but to fight culture with a decision that even though the pressure is high, the decision is made. So the pressure may be high on you too. Give in to, 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 you know, to sex, money and power or to give in to disappointment or even just to give in to just worry and concern. Uh, the decision has already been made. I don't need to debate with anyone. I don't need to debate with myself. The decision has been made because you only defend something that you think has the potential to be harmed. And let me give you a truth today. God cannot be harmed. His word cannot be harmed. We have got the most bulletproof support. We have the most bulletproof uh, uh, voice in our world if we had the Holy Spirit. So we have, we don't need to defend. We don't need to debate. We need to decide. We need a decision. And uh, as we make this decision to worship God, it only leads to greatness. Even though it doesn't feel good at the time, it will only ever lead to greatness. And it's so interesting that the king gets furious. He's mad. He's ticked off. And so he says, turn up the furnace seven times. I want you to turn it up seven times over. I want that thing so hot. Now you've got to see that seven times over the heat that's recorded, that the scholars believe as you hit seven times because there was one set temperature when they would turn on a furnace, seven times over was what they would use to refine silver and gold. 
And so in that moment, what the enemy was going to use to destroy these three, God used to refine them. And I wonder in this time, if you don't run from what you're facing, but you face it head on and you decide, I'm not going to bow down. I'm going to stay standing. I'm going to keep my focus and my worship and my attention to God. I wonder how you will look after you're refined. I wonder what your life will look like after you're refined because God will cause greatness to come as we stand. Come on, it matters how you stand. And the third thing, the last one is it matters where you bow. It matters where you bow. You know, they make one of the most powerful statements, I believe, in all of Scripture. They say, God will rescue us. He'll do it. But even if He doesn't, we'll still worship Him. We ain't worshiping you even if he doesn't. And you know, one of the main reasons that I hear time in, time out, and even the internal wrestle that I have is of turning my worship from God towards other things and other people to try and fix scenarios and fix issues is typically when life throws a curveball. And when life throws a curveball, that's when we begin to question God's goodness. And we begin to forget how awesome he's been in our lives and the amazing things that we have. And we begin to question our worship in the moments of a curveball. And it's in those times where, where we bow really matters. When things don't go how I plan them. When you say, you know, because maybe that's where you're at. You're like, well, I didn't plan this. I didn't, I didn't plan to get sick. I didn't plan to get cancer. I, I, didn't, I didn't plan to have to walk through an abortion. Like, I, I didn't plan these things. These, these are something that I, I planned. Here, here comes the curveball, but it's in those moments that if you make a decision to bow down to those things and just to compromise and just to lean into that and say, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna stay there with those things, then you'll never begin to walk in all the things that God has for you. If we were to begin to bow to Him, I wonder what could happen. I wonder where your life would be because when we bow and we worship God, it gives perspective. Suddenly what we are facing, it doesn't, the size of it doesn't change. It's still the same. You still may be in the furnace. It's still hot. But here's what happens. Perspective shifts and you see God in his true light. That he's way bigger than what we're walking through. He's way bigger than what we're in. That God is uh, God is everything that we need in the situation that we are in. That even if we get thrown into the fire, it's not the plan, but God will still show up. He'll still be there. Because the gospel doesn't promise that we won't have fire, but instead that the fire won't have us. That death now has lost its sting because of Jesus on the cross. That through him, we now can walk through the fire and we will not be burned. Is that good news today, wherever you are? If that's good news, drop it in the chat wherever you're watching. This is good news that you will not, God will not allow the fire to have you uh, because of what Jesus has done on the cross. So true worship comes down to where you place your faith today. So it's less about singing today. It's more about attention and focus. And where do you bow? And I wonder if today you would say, I'm bowing to God because here's what happens. This is awesome. This is awesome. In verse 25, it says, this is the king. Once he's thrown the three into the fire, this is so significant. He said, look, I see four men walking around in a fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods. What? Three men went into the fire, but there is a fourth man in the fire. 
And for so many years, scholars and people have argued, who was it in the fire? Was it Jesus in the fire? Was it an angel in the fire? Uh, was it one of the sons of God who was in the fire? Who was who in the fire? But here, here's the truth. Can I, be, can I be really honest? Can I be blunt? Can I be Daryl right now? Who cares? The most important thing is that God was in the fire. Whether it was him himself or whether it was an angel, it was someone he sent. Showing that even though we are in the fire, we can look for the fourth man. And I wonder if today you could take a moment and look around, even though you're feeling the heat of what you're walking through, and you can find God in it, that he is in the fire with you. He is the guarantee that you will not burn up. This is the best news today, that there is a fourth man who's in the fire. We don't have to bow and compromise the culture. We don't have to bow and compromise to anyone or anything else because God himself is close to us. He's with us. And many of us are missing the fourth man because we are focusing too hard on the flames. So I wonder if today you would take a moment and just find, find God. Because you find God, you find your worship. And in verse 28, he says, this is what the king says after he sees them walk out unharmed, unharmed, unsinched. It says, blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. This is a pagan king. It doesn't say, blessed be the God, lowercase g. No, he, it's in capital letters in scripture because he is stating this is the one true God. This is Elohim. This is him himself. And this pagan king sees God in his true light because of three guys stand and three guys worship. And I wonder, I wonder how God wants to use your worship and my worship and what we are facing right now in the heat. I wonder if God wants to use that worship so others can see him, can see him. Equally, right now, maybe even just as I've been sharing, you know, for yourself, you feel like you are in the fire. You feel like you're just being burned up right now. You feel like you are facing compromise, facing this decision to compromise. You've been hauled before the king. You've been battling the same addiction over and over. You've been battling disappointment and worry and concern. I want to pray for you right now, wherever you are. So just take a moment, if you would. Would you stand to your feet if you can? If you're driving, don't do that. That's illegal. But wherever you are, stand to your feet. I want to pray for you right now. Because I believe the fourth man is in the fire with you. He is. He is. So come on, let me, let me pray. Father, I thank you for each and every person that's represented watching this. And I thank you, Lord, that you so desperately love them. You love them so much and that you do not abandon us in the fire, God, but you are there. And so God, as we give and surrender our worship to you today, I thank you perspective will come. But more than that, faith will be built for us to see, God, that there is more than just where we are. Lord, that you are bringing us into a new place, that the fire will not burn us up, but it will only refine us. So I pray for refined people in Jesus' name. God, those who are even, I see even people who have financially struggled, you've struggled through COVID. I believe that God is saying, in the fire, would you look for me? Look for me. People who have lost jobs in the fire, would you look for me? People who have lost relationships, would you look for me in the fire? I am there. And as we worship, perspective comes. In Jesus' name, I pray. And still praying today as you're watching, maybe for you, 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 don't, you don't know this God that I'm talking about, this fourth man in the fire. Like, who, who is this Jesus? But you've been through this. You're, you're starting to kind of understand that, wow, there, there, is a, there is a God. Because truth is, there is. His name is Jesus, and he, and he so loves you. And Romans 5.8 tells us that God demonstrated his love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
that His love was towards us before we were towards Him. And so today, even before you even made a decision to focus on Him, He's been focused on you from the moment you were born. And so I wonder if today you would make a decision and say, Daryl, I want to know this God. I want to leave my past behind and I want to walk into the future that God has for me. So if that's you and you're saying, Daryl, I want to be in relationship with God, whether this is for the very first time or whether you've walked away, but today you're like, Daryl, I'm coming home. I need, I need God. I need to make sure my eternity is secure with Him. So all we're going to do is we're going to say this very simple prayer. And once I'm done, once we're done, you can say amen. And we're going to celebrate because you're going to be in the family of God. So close your eyes, close your eyes for a moment, wherever you are, wherever you're watching from, and just repeat after me. Would you say, Jesus, today I choose to follow you. Amen.